Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Hello, welcome to this episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today we are joined by Danica, who is also known in the Instagram community as Faith-Led Fertility. And we're going to be talking to her about her journey. Hi, Danica. Hi. How do you feel about the word journey? Yeah, I use it. Uh, There's nothing else to say. You're a journey taker. Yeah, yeah. I know. Sometimes shit show just um <laughs> not, not not acceptable. Yeah. No, not appropriate. <laughs> no, no, inappropriate. How are you feeling about lockdown take two? Oh god. Um <laughs> I think shit show. Well, yeah, basically last Sunday I genuinely had a tantrum. Like oh, I was like, I don't want to go into lockdown. I want to go out. I'm sick of being in the house. Like I completely um, understand why, but I'm just frustrated because I feel like this could have been avoided. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a common, common feel, but it must be worse for you than someone like me because I live in the middle of nowhere. So, <laughs> and, and I like being by myself quite a lot. So actually... Yeah. You know, it's just life is normal for me. It must also I mean, be really difficult when you're going through fertility problems and treatments and things and being in lockdown. Yeah. Have you had things sort of put on hold or pushed back? Yep. So um, the first lockdown, we, you know, started the IVF process. We started in February. My egg collection was like mid mid March. Obviously, that's when everything was looking to shut down. So I was actually panicking because I was like, "Oh my gosh, what if they what if they close the clinic? Yeah. Like, and I've just got these eggs like floating around me." Um, but obviously, luckily, we got to egg collection. I think they did that for everyone. Got to egg collection, and then it was sort of shut down until june when they were thinking about restarting things and even then like i was ready to go like i'd luckily mm. had um a consultation on like cycle day two my consultant was like yeah let's let's get going and then um because of the their new lockdown or, or sorry co- uh, covid procedures they were like sorry there's not enough scan rooms to maintain social distancing so you're gonna have to start the following month so quite a lot of delay. That must have been a big old blow for you. Oh. I mean, if COVID wasn't a factor, waiting's hard enough, isn't it, for this sort of thing? And it's not <laughs> like you've not been waiting long enough already, is it? So yep. start us from the beginning. Tell us about, about when you first started trying and all that you've been through yes. since then. So we uh, have been together, myself and my husband have been together since we were um, in uni. Uh, so like I was 18 and he was I think he just he was 20 um yeah so we've like he's like my first well my first proper boyfriend and then we kind of just like yeah just got married (laughs) so we got married in um December 2016 um and I was doing my doctorate then um I was in my third year so we weren't thinking about trying but we wanted to which we just knew it wasn't practical to Mm -hmm. start yet and then I think come the sort of summer uh in June 
um, we'd been talking about him like oh we're gonna we'll start soon like I needed to get my uh because when you do a thesis you've got to do something called a viva which is an exam so you've got to do that and then obviously I would have started working in the September I would have started full time so I was like yeah let's get let's get that out of the way and then we can think about it but I fell pregnant before then I don't I no. still don't know how um because like we weren't actively trying um mm. but I fell pregnant uh realized I was pregnant in the June of 2017 and we were so excited we were like don't worry about the practicality like you know we'll just go for it um and told our families um everyone was super excited and then I remember um just waking up in the middle of the night and just feeling like a gush and it wasn't blood it was just fluid and I was like I just felt awful I was like that's not I don't think that's normal and then I googled everything to death and so did my mom and so did my husband but a week later I started bleeding that was the first miscarriage I had at seven weeks so seven weeks had you told your fact that so obviously the 12 week rule you just thought <laughs> sod that did you yeah we were just so excited I, I don't even think we were thinking about it you know yeah. I think we we're just but I I did I, I told my mum and yeah and I think my mum told my my gran or no I told my gran yeah. and then um yeah and then before you my, know it the whole bloody family knows yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the old jungle drums exactly get going and that's it <laughs> I, initially I wanted the, to keep it quite small yeah okay I was gonna say what did you what do you think of the 12 week rule I mean I in my experience my first one as well I was exactly the same we found out on Christmas Eve so Christmas oh. day we was just yeah we told one or two people and then the whole family yeah. knew by lunchtime yeah. it was yeah. um we wanted to keep it small. I, I was never precious about not telling anybody, but I didn't mm. want everybody knowing. But that wasn't the exactly. case. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, so yeah, people can't contain it, can they? No. Um, I get the 12 week rule, obviously, now after everything I've bloody been through. Yeah. <laughs> I completely get it. Um, I've had pregnancies where I haven't said anything until it was over. So, yeah. <laughs> it's but the still, last yeah. one, like the IVF, you were very open with everybody about what you were going through then how did that compare to keeping it to just sort of your nearest and dearest I think it was because I've got this profile on insta like I kind of and it's private so like you have to request to follow me I was sort of okay because I knew who would be seeing it like everyone in the PTC community and everyone seems to sort of share that journey anyway Mm -hmm. um and I've got a few I think I've got my mum's following that account and like two of my good friends so like I it's for me it feels more I feel more in control of who has that information so I don't I I don't mind I think when I did get to um past transfer I did start uh I I sort of started to worry because I I didn't want to like if I had like got pregnant and it would have like gone on longer I wouldn't have I don't think I would have said anything until I was sure yeah but Mm. yeah it was very much like okay betas that I didn't even do a pregnancy test because those things are so triggering I had the beta and the numbers didn't look good and I was like well that's it then (laughs) right and was that your first round of IVF it was yeah so all of my previous pregnancies have been natural and how many how many pregnancies have you had naturally eight wow yeah oh I'm so sorry Danica that's such a hard horrendous journey you've been on yeah and so why did you if you've fallen pregnant eight times naturally why did you then switch to the IVF because after I did all the research like stayed up till my eyes bled on Google 
talk yeah, oh. and like all the forums and stuff and did um I had so many tests done I had the normal NHS tests I had the um I I went to Coventry and had the uterine NK cell biopsy tests when they test mm. the sort of natural killer cells in your uterus um I got luckily my GP referred me to Dr Shahata on the NHS which That's was really magic good. Mike Bex. oh yeah I know him I'm aware of him <laughs> <laughs> magic Mike yeah because I thought Laura calls him just because he just was it worked for me um yeah 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 uh, yeah and and Bex yeah. then nicknamed him magic Mike after that <laughs> He doesn't know that. Oh, that think. was Mick, was it? Mick? I've got an he appointment with him on Tuesday. I might tell him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I waited for ages to see him because obviously it was on the NHS. But mm. yeah, I had all the tests done there and I didn't have high NK cells at the time. I don't know what happened there, but I thought I did. Like I'd, I'd heard lots of good things about it. I was convinced it was me. Um, and then it wasn't until the sixth uh, miscarriage where I was like, do you know what? I said to my husband, like, we need to find something to 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 test you and we it was a dna fragmentation that i i sort of found on my research mm-hmm. i didn't think it was necessary because i was convinced it was it was me um so we did that test and it came up that he had high dna fragmentation and so that's the reason we chose to ivf because um we we gave it a shot we tried we went to jonathan ramsey and tried to get his his fragmentation improved and it did improve a bit what does that mean the dna fragmentation what what is that exactly? So DNA fragmentation, it's kind of hard to explain, but basically in the in the sperm, there is a certain amount of DNA, obviously, that that helps to create a child. But that DNA is broken um, due to right. lots of different factors. Like it could be having a varicocele, which warms up. There's like a varicose vein in the testicles, which warms up that area. And obviously the testicles should be cool to have yeah. quality And that's sperm. what that Chris... Oh, what's his name? The guy from Love Island who did that Chris documentary Hughes. recently. That's what he oh, has. Oh yeah. Oh really? Okay. I yeah. watched that. My husband watched it, but I hadn't watched it. It's yet. really good. I recommend it. Mm. it yeah, someone like my brother and my balls are. Yeah, my brother. Yeah, my my brother's balls. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't know. Was, we'll link it. There was, we'll there was brothers and balls in. The, um... in. Really interesting. Yeah. But I remember my brother and his wife had IVF, and I remember that some of the things that they told Tom, you know, to avoid was like having a laptop on his lap yeah. and jacuzzis and all stuff like that. And I yeah. just thought, oh my God, this world is like so unknown that you kind yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. So just don't think about being too things. tight as well. Mm-hmm. Um, too much Bit exercise. Alcohol. Yep. Cycling is one. Yeah. Horse riding. Probably, yes. Yeah. So anything that creates sort of heat and pressure around that area, I guess. And friction. So on yeah. that documentary, he had this pair of pants that he put like this ice pack in. It had like a little pouch. Icy, icy pants. Yeah. Ooh. But it's not wow. tested often enough, is it? No, it's Very not. It's like it's only private. And the thing is, um, you know, we should have really like. I think it might have been due to the CCG I was at or the hospital I was at, but we should have got. It got IVF free on the NHS but the hospital we went to were like we don't believe in DNA fragmentation we don't think it's that much of a big deal and it's like come on like this is literally the reason that we've we're in this position yeah. and they're like well you're getting pregnant so just keep trying <laughs> oh, like, amazing. what the hell I put the um letter on my on my Instagram um that it was disgusting so we just had to sort of do it privately so yeah, when you sure. saw Mr. Shihata, did um did anything come up? Any autoimmune related problems? No, 
but I do have I do have like a history of like sort of joint issues that I was under rheumatology for so he was like well maybe like those issues haven't come up Mm. but they're there so we'll just give you the steroids anyway so I did try the steroids but obviously like being on those steroids isn't going to help if the embryo yeah. that's in there is abnormal. Sure. Um, but yeah, I do like when I had them retested at our clinic, um, my NA, my NK cells seem to be elevated now. So, oh, which is oh, weird. Really? It's like, yeah, I know. I know. So I don't know if it's gone up. I don't, I think to be honest, we're in a pandemic. So maybe it's gone up to protect me from COVID. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. 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 yeah crumbs and so your instagram handle is faith-led fertility it so is. can you tell us talk to us a bit about your faith and how that's affected what you've been through how it's pulled you through what let's talk that's about a it great question yeah so I'm Christian um and yeah I've always for for as long as I can remember I've always believed in God I think that my faith has really bloody been tested like on this journey like completely I think the first I think from 2017 through 2018 um that it was it was really tested and I was like what is going on here like come on God like sort it out (laughs) Um, but I think I think digging deep in my faith I think chatting with other people um going to church just sitting praying I even got into meditating recently um, and reading about like loads of women in the Bible who have had fertility issues and, mm-hmm. you know, God's come through. I think that's like really, and I'm finding more and more, like I didn't even know existed, but you kind of know about the sort of the, the ones that are told all the time. But yeah, I think that that's helped me to dig deep in my faith. It's still hard because obviously, you know, I just want an answer. I want a recipe yeah. <laughs> to yeah, get to my baby. But I think over the last, I would say over the last year, my faith has funny enough got stronger. And I'm not, I think lots of people say this, like they experience a really like dark time where they question everything. And yeah, you have to um, Mm. with their faith. And then somehow there's just something that switches over time and you're like, actually like I'm being supported like you look out for little it's not even look out for like little signs come to you and it's like god that that's so weird and but when you think about it, it's not like it's you just feel supported it's hard to explain but yeah that's definitely I know what you mean felt. it's um I uh, I'm I'm a Christian as well yeah. um but I'm quite new on the Christian journey I've been a Christian okay. for about two and a half years okay and when I had the miscarriage in lockdown I really struggled mm. with it but mm-hmm. do you know what part of this makes me a bit emotional, but part of what kept me like believing and praying and following was the fact that my church family for 10 days brought me food every evening, cooked food. And they were just there with flowers. And this is in the middle of COVID, like right in the middle. So they would come and just leave stuff on our doorstep. And that for me makes me like filled me with faith. And just like, this is, this is what Jesus wanted, right? People that just do stuff because of love yeah absolutely that was that was absolutely insane and then obviously going on then to meet Laura and create this together yeah has has made me kind of think like that there is some things that you can't explain there is no reason for something 100% there is this is not it's not like God at work doing all this shit stuff to all these good people but at the same time creating something so positive yeah out of it has given me that that inner faith to be like okay keep going keep there's going purpose, because you know there's something bigger here yeah. but I don't know what it is no one does but let's crack on 
I'll tell you something that was weird. And at the time I was like, I should not have been able to receive it as what it was because I was in such a dark place. But um, after my third miscarriage in uh, January 2017, I like skipped church a couple of weeks. I usually when COVID wasn't on. Um, I was going every other week because it's in central London. I go to Hillsong. I don't know if it's like one of those. Oh, I love Hillsong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I I I hadn't been for a bit and I was like, no, come on, let's go. And I usually like help out on teams. So like I'm one of the hosts that will like uh, guide people to their seats and things like that. And so I was like, I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to go and sit in the service and just sort of just be quiet. Um, but I did want to go and look for the girls that I served with. So when you talk about church family, that kind of that kind of that sort of reminded me um but she the main girl was an in and I just really wanted to pray with her and I I don't usually like that's not usually something I go and look for but I was like I really want to pray with her and she wasn't in and I was like oh like typical so I just went home feeling really rubbish I usually drive to the station so I parked on say the left hand side and I was like you know I'm going to treat myself to like a cherry coke and some sweets something really rubbish and so I went right and as I was walking to the shop I saw these like two like I want to say teenagers, but maybe they were like in their early 20s and they were just mm. like walking along. They were like looking at me and I was like, oh God, human eye contact. Don't need that right now. <laughs> <laughs> head down, walk on, head yeah, down, head walk down. on. <laughs> and they stopped me like looking as antisocial as I probably did at that time. They stopped me and they were like, hi, like, how's it going? We just, God just told me like to just stop you and just like have a chat with you. And I was like, wow. okay. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, like, how are you? How are things going? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I was, I was like, I'm just coming from church. And they were like, you know, I don't know what it is, but God just told me to pray for you. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like two strangers on the street yeah. literally heard that I wanted to pray with someone. And they were like, we want to pray with you. And they're like, I don't know what it, the, it was a girl and a boy. And, the, and sorry, the girl was like, God just wants me to tell you you're beautiful and let's pray together. And the the boy was like, um, I don't know what it is, but are you, are you guys, are you and your like partner, like looking for an apartment? Is your husband looking for a job? And I was like, we're trying to conceive and we've had some miscarriages. And he was like, oh my gosh. Like, and then they just prayed with me on the streets so of South Woodford. I was dumbfounded. Like that's, oh, so that's one of those things that you can't explain. Yeah. And that you just know that you're being supported. Like that's yeah. how it felt. Yeah. It make you emotional. Absolutely. I cried for the yeah, whole Yeah, I bet afternoon. you sobbed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Has that yeah. been the main thing that's got you through this um, shit show, if we're going to call it that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because when I when I talk about that dark period of time, I it's, it's mostly 2018, but like straddled the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2019. I, I was in such a dark place. You feel like it's unsustainable. Like you're trying to do everything in your own strength. Like you cannot. Yeah. And so I think that the minute that I started, I think the turning point was I actually went to, I'd never been before. Like I said, I've been a Christian for a while, but I've been like, you know, just taking my time with it. But I went to Colour and it was like this, this sisterhood conference and it was like three days like at, the, at the, where was it? Wembley SSE. And it was just so refreshing. And I think that's when I started to like, just come back to like, okay, let's like, you know, dig deeper into my face. So I think that from May, 2019, when I went to Colour, like it's, it's genuinely given me a new lease of life. I would that's say. Wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah. Because yeah. so this, this journey is like, not for the faint of heart, is it? No. No. <laughs> no. Can I ask you what has been the most difficult part of dealing with miscarriage and loss so um I reckon it's waiting 
yeah. it's actually it's excruciating like when I think about it, when I reflect back um I think waiting has got me into like I didn't need to have eight pregnancies but I wanted to just keep trying yeah. so where I um you know with with a pregnancy miscarriage testing you often have to it's like be referred to this person then wait six weeks mm. week for this appointment then wait six weeks for results and then take the medicine like it I could not <laughs> this has been a lesson in patience if, if anything mm. like it's just and we just kept trying so like come on we're getting pregnant like one of them must stick like yeah. come on yeah. um yeah if it is just bad luck as they all keep bloody saying yeah then surely the more, the more we have the more likely we are to have one that sticks yes by the law of averages it should, yeah. one should stick but you I mean that must resonate with you Laura as well because you yeah, were completely. when you had your molar pregnancy your biggest fear was that you were going to have to wait six months to yeah. or how what yeah. was it yeah six months for the molar and then it was oh. another six months for the um uh for the septum operation but it's mad isn't it that that you, your first thought wasn't like oh flip I might have cancer it was like oh how long is this going to delay everything yeah and, you go into a different and that mindset. was nothing that was like that was in 2014 little did I know I just thought that the next pregnancy I had would be the one little did yeah. I know that it would be another four years five years away oh my and did God. you I mean do you both because you both had recurrent miscarriages did you did you live your lives always thinking that next one is the one next yeah. one might be the one hoping not really believing yeah and what yeah. about you Danica did you did you get to a stage where a positive pregnancy test wasn't actually that positive a thing yeah <laughs> absolutely from probably from the from, from the third one yeah really I think yeah. I'm the same my, I used to say I started off with, you know, I'd announce to him in the bathroom. I'd be like, come and look at this, surprise, pregnant positive pregnancy test. Yeah. I mean, and my pregnancy with Bertie, I um, I just texted him. He wasn't even the first person that I told, told one of the mates at work. I was like, oh, shit, I'm oh. pregnant. And, um, yeah, I just texted him and said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm positive pregnancy test. I think I just sent him the picture and he was like, oh, okay, let's see how long this one lasts. See, it just takes the magic away mm, from it, doesn't yeah, it? But did it change, obviously, when you got past the stage you you not? No. No. No, not until I had him, like, there. Um, it was horrendous. Pregnancy was horrendous. Well, you actually, It wasn't really that horrendous, yeah. but the anxiety, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I always worry that my anxiety is, like, screwing things up. But it's like, how do I not be anxious when this happens so many times? Yeah, I think it's impossible. I think you just have to, uh, one of my favourite phrases is control the controllables. Yeah. Um, and just yeah, try and that's focus really good advice. in the things that you can do, like good diet, yeah. rest. I used to go to sleep, used to go to bed super early just because the next day on my app, my pregnancy would be one one further, one day along. Oh, love Gosh. that. Love um, that. But yeah, it's, it's um it's tough it is tough yeah but yeah. then at the same time you're so thankful that you've got this pregnancy that's, yeah. that seems to be progressing well um yeah. but you just, there's always that doubt in your mind that I never never dreamt that I'd bring a baby home wow hmm. but I completely get where where you are now is mm. um is just the shittest it really is just keep checking I thought the IVF I thought that would have been like you know but obviously we didn't realize the extent to which the the sperm factor was just so significant because I got so many eggs um and then and I think yeah 
yeah, 25 and then 21 mature, 14. Wow. Yeah. After day three, they all dropped off and we had three left. And then two were PGS abnormal. And then we just had the one that was PGS normal. So what's PGS abnormal? PGS is like pre pre-implantation genetic screening so they test to see if the embryo is normal like it's got the right amount of chromosomes um I think now they've changed it to like PGTA so pre-implantation genetic testing for aneuploidy or something like that so it's like a a euploid embryo is a normal embryo an aneuploid embryo is an abnormal embryo um and so obviously your goal is to get as many normal embryos as you can and will they not put an abnormal one in back no, in? No, no, okay. They won't. Um, and that's the reason we did IVF because obviously trying naturally we're getting pregnant, but my body wasn't sorting through what was normal versus yeah. abnormal. Um, so we tried Gives to you the best chance possible, doesn't it? Yeah. It takes out and all I, of the other. Yeah. All of the other variables yeah. and just like, and yeah, I just thought that they would be able to do that. I thought we'd genuinely get quite a few embryos because I, I hear that people often do and they just have, you know, they get to just do a frozen embryo transfer the next time if it doesn't work out the first time. But yeah, we've just got to go from, we've got to start from scratch again, which is quite hard. And now we're and, in that waiting season again because we're waiting for my husband to have further tests. And like when and you is there, and meals, for this, oh, go on. sorry. So is the reason that they were abnormal embryos because of this sperm fragmentation? Yep. That's the one. Okay. And can, is there anything that could be done about that? About the fragmentation? Yeah. Yeah. So like um, when my husband was first tested, it was like um, he had like a a bacteria infection that you can pick up literally anywhere. It lives in the gut, but can travel down. So that was like, oh, that's one thing that could be affecting it. Um, The guy that we went to, Jonathan Ramsey, who's a urologist, um, he was like he's got a small varicocele which is that thing that warms up the testicles um but they were like oh it's not really um it's not that bad so we can just ignore that but we went recently to see another urologist that our clinic sent us to because they were exploring doing something called a micro tease where they extract the sperm from the from the testicles instead of using ejaculate um right and this this urologist was like completely against that she was like well why like if the you know like it's not there's not much research to suggest that that's useful but anyway she was like we need to actually test your varicocele properly so he's got an ultrasound coming up soon okay um, to look at the varicocele closely it's good when things are happening isn't it that's what I remember in my experience when when there was no plan it was when there's something in the diary fucking awful when there's something something anything being done yeah possibility that things can get better and and improve it just lifts the weight a little yeah and does that mean are you on hold now until these tests come back yeah like I was actually supposed to start down regulating like from this cycle but from what we've been told by the urologist um if there's something to be done for my husband in terms of improving the fragmentation we have to wait three to six months (laughs) Oh. I know, I know, and that's the point where I was, just, I was going spare last week. But I thought sperm regenerates every twenty-four hours. No, it's every three months. You're joking? Yeah. Oh, dude, no. that's a long time, isn't it? It is. It is. She was like six months ideally, and she saw my face, and she was like, "Okay, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <good. laughs> 
Oh, but yeah. I guess if, if you can give it the best chance possible. Exactly. I mean, are you paying for your IVF? Yeah. 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 So you, you don't want to be chucking money no. away for no reason. Do you Not know, at all. That's, oh, that's hard as well, isn't it? Yeah. So you, so the, you are going to have more of IVF then? You're not going to get the, um, the spermy stuff sorted and then try naturally? Oh, yeah. Could that be is, an option? Yeah, I mean, it could, technically it could, but I think I'm just so scared <laughs> to try naturally mm. because it's just like in the past it hasn't worked out. But, I mean, if uh, my husband did have another fragmentation test the other day purely because he wanted to, like, to see where it was at. Um, yeah. And if magically that's gone down to like a normal rate, I might be inclined, but you know, yeah. I also still, I'd be quite worried. So I think it will be better if we just go, if we just go ahead and sort it out and then do IVF. Yeah. yeah. And do you, so do you fall pregnant easily? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, there I must be that. hard because then like, I, I want to get to the point where I actually have a take home baby, not just like, yeah. not just seeing yeah. two lines. And then and that's one of yeah. those things that people yeah. say to you, isn't it? Oh, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Yeah. Well, that doesn't, it Ugh. still doesn't result in not babies, insane. so it's no good. Yeah. Yeah. And have all, have all your miscarriages happened around the same time? Yeah, about the seven week mark. Really? Yeah. But I've had a few, like, I've had a few chemicals. Um, yeah, a few, like five weeks and that's it. But yeah, about the seven week mark. Mm. Oh, I really hope that it happens for you soon. Yeah. Thank you. Me too. I'll be following your journey. I mean, it was it was horrible. It was heartbreaking following your your IVF because then you you just you all of a sudden went quiet for a few days, and I was thinking, oh no, yeah. no, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. I even find like the I love the TCC community and how much like information and support and stuff, but that you can get. But when you're in that process where like oh, I guess yeah. it was new for me, like so everything's just gone pear shaped. Then seeing everyone like moving on whatever stage they are in their journey whether they're doing stims whether they're like oh I'm like at ovulation day and we're trying like they're moving along or they've got a pregnancy test like that's positive or they're pregnant you see a scan photo like it stops being like for that moment at least it stops being encouraging and starts Mm -hmm. being really like oh so I've even had a break this past week because it was making me anxious and making me a bit like sad and yeah yeah. so I think with that you just need to take breaks yeah so that so that would I was going to say what would be your advice for anyone in your situation that's sort of going through IVF had repeat miscarriage well both of you really what would you say to do how can people look after themselves especially in this time of isolation that is COVID the second Mm. (laughs) um oh that's a good point I would say definitely find a community because community like finding like first before it was the TTC community I was on baby center and then it got a bit much (laughs) but um, but then I yeah finding the Instagram one was really helpful like talking to people in a similar situation um doing research but not researching obsessively like not getting to the point where that's all you do and that's all you think about like find a hobby like do something fun even though we're in lockdown like I'm still like I'm signing up to like um zoom dance classes and having fun so just don't forget to have fun because like you can't live your life like just miserable like it actually is it's painful it does become all consuming doesn't it yeah yeah so do something fun like 
go out, treat yourself to something, find stuff that do some self-care practices that feel good to you. Like mine are like candles and like incense and like meditation, prayer, like, you know, watching a good movie, like things like that. Christmas films. I mean, there's lots of good Christmas films. Okay. The time of year. (laughs) What, what, What are your fave? Oh, it has to be, uh, oh, oh, God, now, I don't know. Love Actually is amazing, but okay. I really like The Holiday. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. But then The Wonderful Life is also... What good. about Santa Claus the movie? Mm, I like Arthur Christmas. Oh, oh. <laughs> Arthur Christmas is good. Yeah, yeah. My goodness, this will probably come out around Christmas time, won't it? I oh, will it? Mm, I think so. Yeah, so top tips for surviving the festive period. Mine, mine, it was a coping mechanism, which I don't recommend, but that's getting shit-faced. <laughs> Didn't work, though. It, it always, oh. always bit me in the bum. <laughs> oh, God. Um, last year was... I think I was just genuinely in a better place last year, but I just... I just had fun like my mum had just moved in with her partner to to you know of a long time to this new lovely house and I just think it was a lovely time for us um I think be trying to be as present as you can would be a top tip I know it's hard like because you're thinking gosh I should have a two-year-old or I should have Mm, a this you know what I mean um but it's trying to be present with the people around you enjoying their company and just yeah just just soaking all of that in I think it would be a, a top tip for the festive period Cool. Well, it's been so lovely talking to you. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. It's been great speaking with you guys. And Hopefully oh, thank you. you'll be telling us your, your happy story soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just title this part one, part two. Yeah, TV. part one. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, love that. Oh, love that. Lovely. Oh, well, I'll see you guys on Insta. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And try and enjoy lockdown as much as you can, even though back to years, no, it's not that different at the moment. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, just, I'll just keep on keeping on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, have a lovely Sunday. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us, and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.